The text for the sermon this afternoon is Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. And there we read, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, after this sermon, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. People come to the table at the front here and they take bread and wine and then they eat and they eat the bread and drink the wine together. And what happens then? What actually happens? What do those participants do? Do they, is it this a, 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 a profession of faith, another profession of faith in Christ Jesus? Do they think of the Lord Jesus and what he did for them as they eat that bread and drink that wine? Do they experience his love in their hearts? Yes, we would hope that they would do those things and those things would happen. But it's not what we should think of in the first place when the Lord's Supper is celebrated what the people are thinking, what they're doing, experiencing. Because the most important thing isn't what the people who participate do, but what the Lord Jesus Christ does there with the Lord's Supper. He does something. He gives himself every time the Lord's Supper is celebrated. He gives himself in the bread and the wine. He gives believers the sure signs and seals of his suffering and death for them. He lets them see and taste, I gave my body and I shed my blood for you. Therefore, I now give this broken bread and this wine which is poured out to you. So what does that mean for the people who participate in the Lord's Supper then? Well, it means what our text says. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for you. That's where we want to be. No condemnation. That's, a, that's not a nice word in itself, condemnation. Today, a lot of people don't want to hear about condemnation. They rather think in terms of punishment or so. Maybe less harsh. But condemnation, no. The the Greek word used in our text means more than punishment, though. It means super punishment. Mega punishment. And that's condemnation. Eternal punishment of body and soul in hell in the context of Scripture is what that means. Because Justice requires that sin against the most high majesty of God be punished with the most severe, that is, everlasting punishment of body and soul. In hell, the place where, as Jesus said, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Eternal punishment in hell, that's the condemnation. And the Lord's Supper is Jesus Christ's assurance then that there is now no condemnation for those who eat 
the bread and drink the wine in faith in him, in what he did. No condemnation for you. And that's the theme for this sermon this afternoon. No condemnation. We pay attention to three things in connection with that. First, the wonder of God's grace. The worth of Christ in the second place. And the walk in the spirit in the third place. First, the wonder of God's grace. Therefore, There is therefore no condemnation. Therefore. What the apostle is writing here then is the culmination of what he wrote before that in the chapters 3 to 7 of Romans. Those chapters are all about the righteousness there is through faith in Christ and about the new life there is through him, through his resurrection from the dead. Because of all that, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And you hear the apostle's amazement in those words of our text. No condemnation. After all, we were all under condemnation in Adam. Destined for eternal death in hell. We heard about that in the section we read from Romans 5. Death spread to all men because in Adam's fall we sinned all. So condemnation came over all Adam's descendants because of his one sin. We were all doomed to eternal death, eternal exclusion from God's presence forever. That was, that was the just judgment pronounced against all men at Adam's fall. Is that condemnation not going to be carried out now? A lot of people, you know, they, they ask the opposite question. How can God bring eternal condemnation on people if, he's, if he is who he is. For instance, people who have never ever heard about him or people who have heard of him but don't believe and who nevertheless are nice, good people. Condemnation. How could God condemn them to eternal punishment in hell? That's then the question, but that actually has to be turned around completely. How is it, how in the world is it possible that not all Adam's descendants are condemned to hell forever? That's the question that we should be asking. How is it possible? The judgment was clear at the time of the fall. If you eat from this tree, you will die. Eternal death for you and your descendants. But the apostle writes in our text... That there is now no condemnation for some who fell in Adam. And no condemnation means that you totally escape God's judgment against you. His just judgment against you. You walk right by his judgment seat. And nobody says to you, wait a minute here. Whoa. You just keep walking right into eternal bliss. Where you're always with the Lord and experience forever what eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor the mind conceived, at blessedness in which to praise God forever. How can that be for descendants of Adam? You see, even though we're justly condemned, that condemnation is not carried out. And the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper confirm that. I 
for you. Otherwise, you would have suffered eternal death. There is therefore now no condemnation for you. I loved you to such an extent that I let myself be condemned in your place. Your condemnation came on me. I fully took on myself what you deserved and finished with it. So that you can walk by God's judgment seat. What an incredible wonder of God's grace. And the Apostle Paul is amazed at that. And that's something we need to be amazed by as we, we take part in the Lord's Supper. Or we watch it being celebrated here. We can be so busy with a lot of things in our lives. School, college, work, business, house, finances, future. But every couple of months when the Lord's Supper is scheduled to be celebrated, you're faced with something that is much more important than all those other things that occupy your mind and heart and body. Over the past week and now too, you need to ask yourself, does what the Spirit says in the text apply to me? Is there now no condemnation for me? That's the ultimate question of your existence. And if you don't know the answer to that question, then it's high time you prayed and sought and embraced Christ as your only Savior. He promised to wash you. But you need to accept that with a believing heart without any delay then. And if you agree in your heart that there is now no condemnation for you, then you'll eat the bread and drink the wine with humble and grateful heart. In wonder, I was doomed forever. But there is now no condemnation for me. I can walk right past the pit. And why is there no condemnation for me? Because of God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ. He loved me and gave himself up for me in my place so that I might pass by God's judgment seat scot-free. See that wonder, that wonder of his grace. Be amazed by that As you see the Lord's Supper celebrated, boys and girls, be filled with wonder at that, all who participate as you you chew and swallow the bread and, and swallow that wine in remembrance of him. We'll come to the second part, the worth of Christ. Brothers and sisters, how do you know that the words of our text, there is now no condemnation, how do you know that those words apply to you personally? Our text shows how you can do that. It tells us for whom there is escape from condemnation, for who that counts so that we can know. And for whom does that escape count? Our text says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Not directed to them. So it has to do with Christ Jesus. Who He is for you. You need to be in him. In Christ Jesus. Now, that's being in Christ Jesus is an expression you find more often in the New Testament. It has two sides to it, I would say. In the first place, it means total escape from condemnation because of Christ, because of him. And there, 
thinking of, a, of how to, to picture this, think of holding a piece of paper with tongs and passing that through a fire, a candle flame, for instance. That piece of paper, I could tell you pretty, with pretty much certainty that that piece of paper will curl up and burn away. But now, take a little golden cylinder and then roll that paper up and put it in the cylinder and then pass it through the flame. And the paper will not be affected by that flame at all. It was protected from the flame in the golden cylinder. And that's something like how it is with those who are in Christ Jesus. He is the golden cylinder. His satisfaction and righteousness is the golden cylinder in which I am safe and where the flame of God's righteous wrath cannot affect me anymore. But I need to be in him then. So being in Christ, Jesus means you escape the condemnation which all deserve because of the fall, because of sin. His righteousness and satisfaction are golden They protect us. But we need to go to him. We're called in the gospel to go to him. He's proclaimed to us. The door is open to us to enter that golden cylinder of his perfect righteousness and satisfaction. And his satisfaction on the cross is the only fireproof way to escape condemnation which hangs over all men in Adam. Everything else we try to wrap ourselves in isn't going to protect us from the fire. It's not fireproof. Not, it won't protect us from the fire of God's righteous condemnation. No good intentions, no efforts to better ourselves are able to make us fireproof. Only the perfect golden righteousness and satisfaction of Christ can do that. You need to go to Him. Now the other side of that being in Christ Jesus. That piece of paper in that golden cylinder doesn't actually take on the qualities of the golden cylinder. When you take the paper out, it's not going to be gold now. It remains paper, and the cylinder remains gold. And that's different with those who are in Christ. There's a close relationship between them and between Christ. And here you have to think of the picture of the the vine and the branches. John 15, the Lord Jesus used that that picture. The branch is in the vine, and the vine pushes its sap into the branches, and the branches draw the sap out of the vine. Being in, in Christ Jesus like that means that Jesus pushes the sap of his work and his spirit into your life, forgiveness, joy, peace, faithfulness, and so on. All those things, he pushes that into your life, and As branch of the vine, you seek to draw these things from him, from the vine. You ask him for them. Show me my sins and my needs. Renew me in your image, Lord. And the more you're in him, the more you want to be in him too. And the more you become like him. So what is it to be in Christ Jesus? Paper and gold cylinder, branch and vine. Are you that in him? Because this is what it's all about. Whoever is not in Christ Jesus remains under condemnation. 
But whoever is in him, there is now no condemnation for him or her. You walk by the pit. For whatever Christ has done is yours also. And that's what the Lord's Supper signifies and seals. He pushes his redemption and his spirit to you. He gives you bread and wine. And in faith you draw them from him. You eat and drink in remembrance of him. And so he feeds you to life. And you eat and drink to everlasting life. And we come to the last part of the sermon with that. The walk in the spirit. Brothers and sisters that being given. And that taking in that bread and wine. Has consequences for your life then. Being in Christ. Consequences. That will bear fruit in your life. And this is the sign. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, as the text says. And that's not added here as an afterthought. It's something that flows out of what is said before. If you are in Christ, you will walk in the spirit. And you know the contrast between spirit and flesh. The apostle describes the conflict between those two also in other places, like in Galatians chapter 5. The flesh is our sinful nature. The spirit is the spirit of Christ who wants to bring love, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, and so on into your life. And that contrast between flesh and spirit is what the apostle also describes there in Romans 8, 1 to 13, which we read. And you can see it's something like this. Sin is like water. And sinners are like fish. And a fish is at home in water. That's because we're sinful by nature. We live according to the flesh by nature. We're sinful. We're like fish in water. But there's the law of God. And the law tells us to get out of the water. That water of sin. But we can't, of course. We can't. The fish doesn't want to be out of the water. Can't live out of the water. If a fish ends up out of the water, then it lays there on the bank of the river, opening and shutting its mouth because it wants to go back in the water again. It flops around trying to get back in. Like a sinner who doesn't want to be freed from sin. He can't live. He can't be happy without sin. And the law says, come out, leave sin behind, and live to God's glory. But the flesh cannot and does not want to do that. Sin is and remains the yearning of my life. But by his death, Christ has obtained the Holy Spirit. And by his Spirit, he wants to give us a new heart with new desires and new abilities. And then... It's as if the fish gets a radical operation and is given lungs so that it can breathe out of water. Out of that water of sin. That's how the Lord Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to all who are in him so that they they hate sin and desire to live in love with God and their neighbor. You can fight against sin and want to live in holiness with God. 
The Holy Spirit pulls out of the water of sin, whereas the flesh wants to go back into that water of sin again. Romans 8 verse 5 says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Sexual immorality, idolatry, greed, anger, and pride, and so on. But the way of that flesh leads to death, condemnation. The carnal mind is enmity against God and is not and cannot be subject to the law of God and cannot please God. But those who are in Christ and who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They want also the life of Christ. And that is their life. That's, they want that. Now, by nature, we still want to live according to the flesh. But if we are in Christ Jesus, we walk according to the Spirit. And our desire is then to put to death the works of the flesh. And that's always a battle in this life here. Spirit versus flesh in us. The Spirit wants to draw us out of that water. The flesh wants to pull us back into it again. Back into what we've been freed from. And as a Christian, you recognize that battle inside of you. And it's a sign that you are in Christ. It's a sign that you live according to the flesh. If there is no battle like that, if your will is okay with the sins remaining in you, if you just accept them, and it's a sign that you are in Christ and live according to his spirit, if you experience that battle in you, if there are sins and weaknesses in your life which still live in you against your will, I don't want these. You desire to be completely free from them. You're engaged in a real battle in your soul and life then. That's being in Christ. You experience that, that battle. Well, brothers and sisters, in the Lord's Supper this afternoon, your Savior says, you're in that battle? In me? Now I'm going to nourish and strengthen you for that battle too. I'll assure you there is no condemnation for you and I'll nourish and strengthen you for your battle. He might let you experience his presence here. Maybe not here, but later. But the main, main thing is, he'll strengthen you for the battle when you leave and go about your lives this week. The Lord's Supper is for those who are engaged in that battle of spirit versus flesh and who need and want the help, who know they're so weak in themselves they can't stand for a moment on their own, but who hate their sins. They want to leave them behind, want to live a new life. The Lord Jesus says to them, I for you, and therefore I also I give you my spirit to help you in the battle. You who wished you were holier than you are, but you have a hard time seeing that in your life sometimes. I help you so you can keep walking according to the Spirit until you obtain the complete victory when I come to set you completely free. Amen.